Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. Happy to have y'all join us. You know, up top, we do a little quick announcement sesh. This one's going to be really quick because we just have a few things. We're just going to hit them right off the top. And then I want to get to this guest because this guest is amazing. And you'll be so excited that you got to know her. But right now, just a few things. If you're in these cities, we'd love to see you. June 21st, we're going to do our second Baton Rouge Greetings from Queer Mountain Queer Storytelling Show. So check that out. The first one went really well. That's going to be at 8 p.m. June 21st at the Cedar Crest Bar on Airline. It's this new queer bar. Super cool. Love it. They have a stripper pole on stage, which we didn't use yet, but we might this time. You never know. Second shows can be crazy. June 29th and June 30th, uh, myself and Han Calger, who was in episode 29 of this podcast, we're going to be traveling from New Orleans to Memphis for Queer Fest. And we're really excited about that. So if you're in Memphis, come check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be queer comedy and artists and bands and a whole bunch of queer shit. Uh, and we're there to party and have a good time. So we'd love to see you. And now to the episode. I was so excited. Emmett Claire came to visit New Orleans from Austin and I was excited we had an opportunity to sit down. I love it. We hadn't met and through the podcast and through getting to know each other, we just, we had so much in common. We grew up 3,000 miles apart, but we could have grown up a mile away from each other. We just clicked right away. I think we had the same bar mitzvah. It all went together and we had a great conversation and I don't want to hold y'all any longer. So let's get to it. Give it up for Emmett Claire, y'all. How you doing? I'm doing well. Visiting New Orleans and you have a cool city. Yeah, no, I was so excited. Um, so Emmett had reached out to me about like coming to New Orleans and being a queer comic. And then it turns out we're on a show tonight together. And I was just like, hell yeah, like, let's have this conversation. Let's get on this podcast. So have you been in New Orleans before? No, never. Oh, shit. What's your impressions of us? I love it. The climate is familiar, a little, little more humid, but... Yeah, you guys have culture. <laughs> it like feels like the most European city in the States and rode the streetcar yesterday. I loved it. Like, <laughs> Until you have to take it to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, as a tourist. What I love about traveling is you just feel so free. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, I don't have anything on the agenda today. And I want to get that feeling every single day as I go to my nine to five. So I've taken the streetcar a few times to work. And then I've been like, wow, this was 45 minutes that could have taken me seven to 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, even like the way that they, it's just, you can see how the mechanics work. You can see how old it is. Yeah. They have not updated. <laughs> in a uh, hundred years. <laughs> yeah. But also our pipes. So that's been a problem for us lately. Yeah, your roads. Your roads. We we drove here. So you you drove from Austin, right? Yeah. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Beautiful, clean, 
organized. Your downtown's like a little grid. You get here, I don't know what kind of car you have. I have a small little hatchback, so I don't know why I did that. I love little hatchbacks, but I feel like my tires are just going to fall apart every other day. Yeah, Austin's a pretty, it's an old city, but like really most things are new because it's only started growing recently. But yeah, y'all got, y'all got some nice, (laughs) it's like a nice ride turning around and made you decide now I'm going to come to New Orleans like what was the big pull so I I know it was this podcast yeah it was mostly like I saw your podcast and I was like guys we got a road trip I I just always wanted to visit like it's eight hours from here and me and a couple of friends just made it happen and we've been having a good time yeah we got here Monday I'm like what day of the week is it yeah we got here Monday we got here Monday and then we're leaving tomorrow that's how we know you've been in New Orleans a while <laughs> everyone's like wait what day is it and I'm like yes you belong here <laughs> yeah we never know what day it is and people are like happy hump day I'm like what is it Wednesday is that what? is that a thing that yeah. is a thing that people do oh, I know do you work in an office so I actually I work from home. You're so lucky. It's it's really nice. I'm I'm like a little gremlin. What do you do? I do customer service for a plant based meat company. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like a plant based meat company. I, I'm like it's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> what um? Can I ask? I want to ask best in word. I'm sure people are always like, "What's your worst experience?" But what's your best? Have you had like a moment where you're like, "Wow, this is this just made my day." And then also that moment where you're like, fuck this motherfucker. I want to reach through the phone. And- yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some there's some great people who are just so passionate about, you know, meat being bad for the environment or meat consumption and factory farming. So there's a lot of people who are super passionate about the mission. There's this kid, five at most, who dressed up to be a burger for Halloween. Yeah, really wanted to let us know. He was just super psyched and really cute. So that was that was a nice moment. But yeah, there's definitely some people who keep me going. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I always find myself when I'm frustrated with, and I, you're in a smaller, I mean, it's not like a big conglomerate where like I'll never reach somebody. But right. I, as a consumer, I sometimes I get so frustrated. I'm like, it's, I know it's not you. I know you're, you're trying to help me, but something's happened here and I don't know where to take this. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of as a consumer trying to reach a company. Yeah. The other week I had a work trip where I had to go um, somewhere that was like two and a half hours away. And I really didn't feel like waking up super early driving the two and a half hours, going to this all-day meeting, and then driving another two and a half hours. So that would have been in like an eight-hour meeting with a five-hour car ride. So I decided to go up the night before, and this casino hotel gave me a free room. And I was like, free room? I'm going to go up. I'll go up the night before. I'll get some actual good sleep. I won't be up at five in the morning driving up here. I'll have a good meeting, and I'll go back. And I gave them my credit card, which I thought was for incidentals. Right. They have to trust me somehow. Um, And then they charged me $92 for the room. And then when I was trying to figure out who to talk to, it was just like hitting wall after wall and I'm like I have an email can I send this email to somebody it says free it says free I don't have $92 to hand you for a room that I thought was free it was a very nice room it was like a suite it had two it was just me it had like two tvs in it It had a little mini fridge it had a microwave I was just like okay $92 would be a good deal for this, if that's what I agreed to. Right. Um, And then the hotel was like, you got to go talk to the chain. And the chain was like, have you talked to the hotel? You know, it was one of those where it's like, every time I talk to someone, I'm like, look, I know it's not you. I know you just started talking to me. You have no idea who who I am and what I'm doing. But I need answers. But I finally got the money back. But that's like so frustrating. You're like gifted this thing that comes with so many asterisks. Yeah. How much did I pay for this hotel room? Yeah. 
in fucking time. But I feel like the height of luxury is like staying in a room and there's just an empty bed beside you. It's just like doing it. I don't know. Every time I go to a, like I'll end up for like a work thing or wherever, I'll be like, I'm just going to go to the hotel. I'm going to relax. I'm going to do some comedy writing. I just watch Forensic Files for like five hours and yes. then I can't sleep because I just watch crime shows for five hours. <laughs> yes. And I every single time, like no matter what, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do again. Oh my God. Fun fact. My dad was on an episode of Forensic Files, like as an actor, as okay. an actor. I was like, what happened? Like, I was like, are you okay? You're smiling while you're <laughs> saying this. It's not I, the kind I, of show where you're like, I know someone on that. It was so cool. He was featured. <laughs> the speaking part or was it just like a no. long gaze into the sunset kind of part? Yeah. He was playing the murder, the, the like father murderer, husband murderer. It's always the husband. Yeah. No speaking lines. Yeah. We watched it a lot of times we're like there he is <laughs> how to, is he an actor or just like happen to be walking by somewhere and they were like you sir look like a father murderer yeah more the latter i remember i don't know my dad was always cooking up like funny ideas and like one day he was like, we're going to auditions. We lived in this suburban town in Pennsylvania. There was just like a talent agency that was holding open auditions and I went and my brother went and he went and they were like oh shit, you're 45 or 50 year old man. Like we need you because there's not a lot of, especially in suburbia. So yeah, then he got, he got that role. He might've gotten some other like little commercial gig. (laughs) That's awesome. So your dad was kind of just a like, hey, today we're doing this guys. And you're like, yeah. So did you grow up in Pennsylvania? Mostly. um, We're in Pennsylvania. Allentown. My dad lives in Catasauqua. Really? I was like, please say Allentown or Bethlehem because yes. those are the only places I know. Well, he actually, he used to live in the Poconos. Well, my parents got divorced. My parents are originally both from New York. My dad's like from Brooklyn. My mom's from upstate. They moved to LA. And then when they split up, I was an adult when they split up, he wanted to move back to New York. And he was going to move to Beacon, New York. But he was like, if I live in Pennsylvania, it's the same distance from New York City and it's way cheaper and quieter. There's just so many cute little diners and whatever. So yeah, he ended up in the Poconos. And then after that, he moved to Catasauqua. I'm really glad you pointed out the first. It's diners. It's (laughs) all about like the 24-hour diners. Have you been to the Bethlehem diner? Yes. I hope they sponsor us one day. Probably not. But there's that one. That's like his favorite. So we have to go there every single time we go. And then there's one, um, if you're, if you picks me up in Newark, and I think it's a New Jersey diner, but it looks like a a streetcar or a train. I think it looks like a train. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's also a very good diner. It's off the side of the I'm road like... that goes from Newark to, I don't know where you fly into, but. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I'll get you the name and get back to you. Yeah. I'm really bad with names. Like, I've been to that diner at least once a year. Can't tell you the name. Oh, man. I do that with, I do that with people's names. I do that with all kinds of names. So I'm with you. No, I was telling another performer who I was booking for a show. I'm I'm a calendar person now. Like I was like, okay, are we confirmed? Okay, I'm going to put this on the calendar. I also write down who I talk to because there's been a few times where someone's been like, so am I still doing that show? And I'll look at our messages and I'm like, oh my God, we totally had this conversation. I had no idea. Yeah. No, I'm definitely all about the Google call and (laughs) taking notes. It's a game changer. So Allentown, you grew up there your whole childhood? So yeah, we we like moved a lot. I was born in D.C. and then we lived around the D.C. area. And then when I was nine, we went to Allentown and stayed there through high school. 
that's like where most of my formative years happened. So I only know that place as an adult. What was it like growing up there? It seems like it's a lot of outdoorsy, like hunting and fishing kind of things. And then in the winter, skiing and snowboarding. And this is just my perspective as like an adult coming in and also very conservative. Mm hmm would be my my take on it yeah it's a weird mix of cultures and it all converged when you went to high school there were like the different uh middle schools that like you know more of like the kids that lived further out of town went to there was like schnecksville and then there was like springfield where like the cohort of jews lived i'm jewish and Me too. nice more things tribe yeah the chosen ones <laughs> i love saying that to people I'm oh like, you're yeah. not a chosen one <laughs> yeah can just just win every argument use like, it all the time i hear what you're saying and i know we're not talking about this but you're not a chosen one so let's just table that mm-hmm. and uh, put google down but yeah allentown allentown was a bizarre place to grow up it was safe like my parents were onto something there i get not wanting to live in a place that's too interesting but yeah like we got off for school, we got off the first day of hunting season. That was just like <laughs> okay. Holiday. That's that's exactly what I pictured in my brain. Yeah, but then like most most kids don't come from hunting families. Most are like going to the mall, big big to do, getting Orange Julius and Auntie Anne's. I mean, my my friends would either hang out at like Chris's diner was our place, or Wegman's. We chilled at Wegman's wow. a lot at the Wegman's cafe. Okay. Are they, both of those still there? Have you been back? I haven't been back in like, since I was 20. Are your parents Uh, still there? No, no. My parents are divorced and like, my dad now lives in Texas and my mom lives in New York. She's from New York. Okay. Like the city. Your Uh, parents did what mine did. did. When they split up, my mom stayed, I was in California. My dad moved to Pennsylvania and now my mom's in Florida. I'm like, get your shit together. I know. (laughs) I can't afford to visit everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it gets I'm not saying get back together. I'm just saying move closer. Yeah. Please don't get back together. (laughs) No, not mine. (laughs) Yeah. How old were you when they divorced? They, like, took a while to get divorced. I think 22. But they were separated for a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they they got divorced, and it was just like, finally. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so it wasn't like, you were just like, good. Mm -hmm. We can all move forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you graduate high school, Allentown. Mm Mm-hmm. What's your next move? So then I went to University of Maryland for a year, and I didn't love it. So obviously it's super football-centric, and it is close to D.C. It's like a 30-, 40-minute metro ride, but it's College Park, Maryland, which is like State College, Pennsylvania, or like... Wait, where are you? Where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles. Okay, okay. I had a few cousins that were from New York that went to University of Maryland. Nice. Um, And I feel like some of them were there looking to party, and some of them were there looking for husbands. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Was kind of the vibe I got. Greek life is huge. Like, I mean, there's beautiful, like, classic Greek buildings. I mean, there's fraternity row. There's not, like, the same beautiful buildings for sororities, (laughs) obviously. Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't, like, loving it. You didn't partake in Greek life? No. (laughs) Shocker. But, like, coming from... So, in in high school, I was, like, really involved in a Jewish youth group, like, BBYO. I don't know if you know it. No, we didn't have that. I'm trying to think of what we had. Oh, I forgot. I'll get back to you on that. After your bat mitzvah, you could do Hebrew high school where you could continue your Hebrew education. And then we had some sort of youth group where they'd like take us bowling and things. And I forgot. I can't. I'm blanking on what it was called, but I was not 
I don't know why I wasn't popular with the Jewish kids. So oh, like, I mean, I didn't really get into that till um, in college. I used to work at the Hillel, so I kind of was more, you know, present there. Yeah, it's a it's a weird weird community. The youth group community is a weird community. Like, there's so many different communities within Judaism. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I feel like I didn't, and it probably goes back to like my queerness because a lot of the girls were just all about the boys. Yes, and yeah, they probably noticed like that's not what I was about, and that's not why I was there. Like, I wanted to play the sports and do the things, and they wanted to, especially once we hit junior high, like have makeout parties. And I was like, why would we waste our time doing that? So I, I feel like maybe that's where it was, but I just never fit in with like where I was. I don't know. I'm not saying all. Jewish youth group people I'm just saying where I was I was like never the cool or like medium cool or like I was just the one in the corner definitely yeah no I can totally relate and I worked hard to like assimilate yeah there's a lot of focus on like boys and who you're gonna make out with or like date but I snuck in and like had secret girlfriends Like, my first two secret girlfriends were from BBYO. How old were you then? My first one, I was 14, and she was a year older. Oh, yeah. So you were, like, junior high, she was high school, or you were, like, freshman? And yeah, freshman. Okay. Sophomore. Yeah. How did that develop? Like, how did that start? What was the, who made the moves or the... Just, like, so confusing and so granular. We were friends, and we were best friends, and then we were snuggle friends, and then we were make out friends but like none of it was gay okay like it was just this thing that was happening and we definitely didn't call each other girlfriend we were each other's wifeys actually and on facebook we like did married to each other that was our relationship status and when i divorced her that was a big deal it was a big deal but i had another secret girlfriend (laughs) to court yeah it was so it was weird yeah. All of that closeted no, I always anxiety. Just, I wonder, like, for me, because I didn't come out till I was, like, 23. And yeah. I, I'm always thinking, what if when if I could go back in time and I was younger and it was a different society and, you know, I didn't grow up in, like, a very conservative Mormon area and I could be out, like, what would I even have done, you know? Would I be asking people to the dance? Like, I don't even know. That's why I'm always like, how did, like, even if you're out at a young age, like, what did you do? I know. I mean, like, what do I do now? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I swipe on Tinder. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed with kids these days. Like, I love that it's easier to be queer. I think even in smaller towns, but it's still hard to, as an adult, being queer in public. I never want to come on to someone because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to make any assumptions ever. Yeah. Like what your orientation is. And like, even if you are gay, like, I don't know. It's, it's like another layer of like, yes, I'm self-confident and maybe I think there's something going on, but I don't know. I always, and I did this like even with my girlfriend, my girlfriend and I met at a Halloween ball and we talked on Facebook, not even on text, just on like Facebook messenger for six months and then so lesbian yeah and then I was finally like hey do you want to just hang out I always like leave things very neutral where it's like you can assume this is a friendship or otherwise we'll just wait and see what happens I'm like wow this was a really slow build for this and she's like I know I was waiting for you to ask me something I was like well you could have too like right you know but we're both in that like I was waiting for you you were waiting for me but things happen when they happen I mean even with coming out I don't know if it's I always say like oh I came out later because it was like after college and you know after I was already started in like my law school and 
I'm always like, that's later, but that's not later for other people, you know? It's mm-hmm. just, it's whenever it's right for you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I also feel like it was later for me. I was 21 when I started coming out. Like, that's when you were like, hey, family. Yeah. Hey, friends. This is how I identify. And- exactly. Because at first, like, I think you have this realization with yourself. Maybe it's vocal. Maybe it's not. And then, and then I was like, well, yes, it's a truth. But like, why, why do other people need to know? You know, this isn't my identity. But that was me just like really terrified. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's the real, that's what it is for, you know, a lot of folks is just that piece of like, well, what does this mean? How will people perceive me? Mm-hmm. How will I perceive myself? Yeah. Will this affect the, me getting jobs or having friends or just walking into my locker at school? Yeah, it's world changing. But also like turns out to be quite intrinsic and like natural, hopefully. Overall, like my family didn't really care. I my dad was the last person that I came out to. But he was also he's more conservative. He's Catholic. My mom's Jewish. Okay. So I don't know, like all of you got all of all those the things. Guilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just pile it on from every direction. <laughs> more. More. Yeah. But he was he was very understanding and I remember he was just like, Well, your generation is much more open-minded than mine, but uh, I want you to be happy. Oh. I was like, okay, cool. I feel like that's a good result from, yeah. Yeah. Have we talked about it since? <laughs> no. But has, like, Has he met any uh, partners? <sighs> no, actually. Because, like, I've had one partner since I came out to him. And he's met her, like, in passing. But I don't know. We had a complicated relationship, her and I. And then... Yeah, I just I'm not I'm not a partnered person. And in history, in history, I'm pretty single. So you were you were raised Jewish? Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, if you were in Jewish youth group, it'd be hard to show up to Catholic youth group. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't playing both sides. So your dad didn't try to get y'all to go to church. It was just like, I mean, you have a Jewish mom. You're right. Legally Jewish, right? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how that works through the maternal line. Yeah, I don't know how the discussion went with my parents, but. We, it, it was funny. They like tried Christianity for a year. Like I, like I was very young and I remember just like the, the blocks that you turn out to kneel on. Mm, yeah. I don't know if I, we were like one of the middle ground ones. We weren't at a Catholic church, Protestant or Methodist or You can name whatever. all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know Presbyterian, why. Presbyterian, Baptist. That I, sounds, that I sounds great. Yeah. I don't know the difference between most of them. So. Me neither. But yeah, we did that for a year. And then one day I came downstairs and there were just like stickers on all of the drawers in the kitchen. And I was like, mom, what's going on? And she was like, oh, we're Jewish now. Ask your sister if you need anything from the kitchen. Because like we were going full on separate. Sure. Yeah, separate milk and meat utensils plates because that's what her family does all of her siblings and their families are like modern orthodox or ultra orthodox and we like tried that for a few months but then it was just nonsensical because we didn't understand it at least as kids i think it's hard to tell kids like hey you can't have a cheeseburger yeah you can't have this or that or the other and you're like why i'm like because it's not kosher and you're like what what is kosher yeah we we're not kosher before and now I don't know I think it's always hard to like give and then be like you can't have this Mm -hmm. I don't get and as a kid too it's really hard to explain the kosher laws and why why these are I remember my grandma used to keep kosher and but mostly it was just like she had two sets of silverware 
and we like we didn't have like two fridges you know like she had a one-bedroom apartment in brooklyn and, yeah you know, she did her best but i was always so confused like at her house i was always really stressed about eating i have a yogurt like what which one which spoon which oh yeah same same when we went when i thought there was bad consequences i mean and some people who practice think there are it's it's so varying and i'm much more comfortable with certain relatives than other relatives to this day yeah it was bizarre as a kid and i think my parents knew it was bizarre but they were just trying trying to figure it out uh, did you have a bat mitzvah? I did, I did. So yeah, I'm the youngest of four, and I, I'm sure, yeah, my siblings' like memory of all of this is even more, I don't know, defining and confusing. But like as a kid, I was just like, this is weird. But mostly, I was raised Jewish, like from the time I was five or six. So yeah, I went to Hebrew school and learned the Olive Bet, <laughs> and I had a bat mitzvah. Oh my God, had I hated wearing the dress and everything. That was. Did you have a theme? Yeah, my theme was music. That was my theme. Really? Yeah, because I wanted to incorporate Mariah Carey into my bat mitzvah somehow. Oh, epic. But I couldn't just have like a Mariah Carey bat mitzvah because my mom said no. <laughs> um, that was the only <laughs> Otherwise, I could have. So then I did music so that at least the table that I sat at was a Mariah Carey table. Yes. But I remember being real because you're in so you're like 13. I was in seventh grade, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, so each table of mine was um, just, like, a different band. Yeah. And I remember picking bands that I thought were cool, but, like, they weren't, like, it wasn't always the music I wanted. You know, for me, it would have been, like, Mariah, Celine, Shania. Like, it would have just been all the divas. Oh, love um, You know, probably Third Eye Blind. But I instead I put, like, there was a U2 table. And I'm like, what? I don't it's not my thing, but, like, I thought they, they were cool at the time or whatever. So, oh, yeah. You know, I was you're, you're even trying to fit in in those moments. Were you raised in a Jewish community, or was your bat mitzvah the first bat mitzvah that they experienced? So, yeah, there were a lot of Jews at the middle school I went to. It was funny, though, because, like, so, yeah, Springfield was, like, the middle school I went to, and all the Jews lived in this, like, very concentrated neighborhood pretty close to that middle school, and then I lived on the, you know, 13 minutes away across town, and there were no Jews by me. So, like, elementary school, there were no Jews. But once I went to the middle school, all the Jews were there. And so, yeah, there were bar and bar mitzvahs happening, like, every other week. And everybody loved it. Party. Party yeah. all the time. Lots of cake. We had this one girl who was obsessed. So every bar every bar and bar mitzvah, at least during our time, played certain songs. Um, and the B-52's Love Shack was one of the songs that was played at every bar bar mitzvah. And this one girl, she knew all the words and she was always so proud that she knew all the words. Oh and my I God. was like, okay, who cares? Sit down, Cindy. Yeah. What was your was, name? Uh, we just talked about how we don't know names. Yeah, I know. I... It started with a D. Diana. No, it was like a, a Hebrew name, but that was a, like real oh. name. Um, Love Shack. That's such a, f- and that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. But she just like, the minute it came on, she's like center of the dance floor. Like I know all the words. And, yeah. Because you know, everyone else is just like, Love Shack. Like that's the part we know. And she was like, no, bitches. I, this is where I shine. Yes. Yeah. For me, like I can totally relate to what you were saying about not knowing like what's cool for everybody except like my view of that was so skewed my siblings listened to like punk and ska and so i was like oh that's i that that's all that i listened to plus like some third eye blind and bare naked ladies and like <laughs> some of that pop rock 
from the 90s. I don't know what, what that... Matchbox 20. Yes. Everclear. <laughs> yes. But, like, I did not listen to any pop because my siblings would have bullied me. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even have, like, a secret CD that you kept, like, hidden. Oh, man. I, I mean, I love Santana. He was my boy. Who else did I... Oh, I loved O-Town. <laughs> Yeah, I had a secret. Liquid dreams. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah. And then, like, when it came for my, my party, like, I had this list of all this, like, punk music for them to play. And my friends, you know, all all of those friends that I had that came, they were like, what is going yeah. on? And, like, one of the popular dudes, like, took over. And he was like, just connect my phone. Oh, wow. Or his iPod. Whatever he had. Yeah. So what was, like, from your music theme, what, did you have, like, tables with different, ba- like, how, did, was yours similar to mine? Did we just have yeah. the same? Yeah. Mine was really similar. And my mom still has some, some of my t-shirts. We had t-shirts. We pretended that we could afford all of this. Yeah. Yeah, but my my t-shirt was like Emily's bat mitzvah tour and it was like kind of showing off because we moved so many places. So I had like oh. year by year all the places that that we moved on the back of the t-shirt. I would wear that now. Yeah. To be honest, have yeah. your mom send some down. It's <laughs> I will. <laughs> you could use it as merch. I know. It would be fantastic. I know. I wish I had foresight in terms of like all the stuff that I've thrown away and you know, all the stuff I've kept that I'm like why is this what I kept exactly when Titanic came out I was obsessed with Titanic and I have like a book that's still sealed it's like a picture book from Titanic with like all the different scenes and it's like sealed and I kept it and I was like this is going to be worth so much money it is literally not even worth a dollar <laughs> and I still have it and Titanic came out in 1997 I believe it's gonna it's gonna reach its peak you it's know. already gone past the 20 years 50 worth. year <laughs> anniversary yeah Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I saw I, it on the shelf the other day. I was like, why? But I still walked away. Like, I didn't... Sentimental. Yeah. There's no dollar sign that you can put on that. I don't know if you remember the show, because you're younger. Um, there was a show called Dark Angel with Jessica Alba. It was a James Cameron show. Came wow, out shortly I love after Jessica Alba. Titanic. Yeah, anyway, watched the first season. The second season's garbage. But I had a Jessica Alba Dark Angel poster that I'd bought, and I finally donated it to Goodwill. Wow. It took a lot. Yeah. And I just was like, I'm doing it. And I drove the Goodwills like three blocks from my house. So I was just like, dropped it off. And then I was at Goodwill with my girlfriend the other day and I saw it for sale. And I was like, should I buy it back? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you? No, it didn't have a price oh. on it. So I was like, they clearly know it's priceless. Yeah. Like, we all know this. Yeah. Um, also, I, well, I looked it up on eBay and I could just buy it at any time. There's a lot of them out there. So Good. I was like, okay, maybe I'll just wait. But just knowing that I could buy it. But I saw it and I was like, no one else should have this. Dark Angel, were they, like, going off of Buffy vibes? Kind of, yeah, I guess it was, because she was, like, a badass lady. But the idea was um, that they the military was experimenting on taking, like, uh, animal DNA and mixing it with human DNA to create these, like, amazing soldiers. So she had, like, oh, some, shit. like, cat DNA, some, you know, different. And so, like, she would go into heat, for example. Wow. Um, but they were, um, it was, like, these they kids. They were, they had human mothers, and they were born, birth, they were trained and when they were all 12 years old, they got they got away. But at the same time, and I've, ta- I've talked about this before because I think this concept could really happen, like this part of it. At the same time, in America, there was this electronic pulse wave, which knocked out all of the computers, the internet, anything electronic. So you had nothing. You had no money. Mm-hmm. You had whatever cash you had on you. So, it, so um, essentially, America became a third world country. So these soldiers were able to like hide, but they also were trying to figure out like who did this to them and what was going. You know, so there's that's the two plot lines basically. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like it is very real. Like all I have, 
I think, $3 in my pocket right now. Oh, yeah. So if they knocked out my bank account, which probably has another $3 in it, what do you do, you know? Hopeless. And I'm hopeless without my phone. I couldn't get anywhere here, but that's, like, excusable because I'm a tourist. But, like, fuck, I am so bad with directions. It's bad. I remember my dad would be like, go in the gas station and ask them how to get here. And I'd go in and the guy would tell me. And the gas station guy always knew. I was always so impressed. They're like, oh, you just take it. And I'd take that information. And I'd take it back to my father. And I would repeat what the gas guy said. And some reason it got messed up. Mm-hmm. And it was like this game of telephone or like we'd write it down. And then you're looking for the street. Because you don't, it's not even like, oh, two streets ahead is the one you turn right on. Like you have to look at every street because you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how like did right anyone do anything? The... Bojangles. I'm like, I don't know. They don't have Bojangles in California. No. I've seen them driving through, I want to say, North Carolina, maybe, in Georgia. Yeah. That area. Yeah. I did a festival in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and I drove from here. So definitely saw some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Pennsylvania graduate. You went to Maryland for a year. Yeah. You hated it. Yeah. I was like, fuck this Greek bullshit yeah uh then so my alpha zeta no alpha zeta (laughs) hell no (laughs) so then my brother moved out to austin for music and he was like you should just come out here and so i was like okay and i did so i moved there and it was too late to get into university of texas so i went to the community college which is great acc is solid and then i transferred into ut i didn't really know what i was doing at school So, like, my first year, I was doing political science. Then I did economics when I went into UT, and I could not pass calculus. Did not care to do that. And so I ended up graduating with linguistics. Who doesn't like language? Yeah, I love it. It's great for comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't have many, like, bits really really doing that you don't have to have bits about it but there's there's certain words and you know comics will talk about this there's certain words that are just funny words you know i'm trying to think of a word that i want to say pussy like that's but that like that's a funny word and it's and certain words with like stronger like a k sound in them have a different reaction so there's definitely been jokes i've had that i play around where i started with one word and i literally just changed one word and it changes the whole joke and somehow it's a funnier joke with this one word shifted true yeah that's a really good point an understanding of language comes into play with so many different areas of life. What got you into performing? I know you do stand-up. Do you do other types of performance? Initially, what got me on stage for the first time since middle school in terms of performance was Queer Mountain in Austin. Yeah. We love to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. I know that you run the Queer Mountain here in New Orleans. Yeah, I did one one time for my birthday three years ago. I drove out to Austin and did Queer Mountain there just to, number one, to be a performer on it versus a host. Yeah. And also just to see what that show was because I'd heard so many good things about it. But what got you to say like, hey, I'm going to tell a story. Were you just an audience member to start and you're like, this seems awesome? Yeah. I was an audience member and I don't know I like telling stories in a conversational way with a group of friends with a smaller group of people and Queer Mountain is a really welcoming environment so I prepared a lot for that first performance like I knew I wasn't going to read off of anything but you know I basically knew word for word nothing was going to be improvised Mm. and it was great it was really great And then I did it again, like the next month, more improvisation and like had more fun with it. And then people were like asking me if I did do stand up. And I was like, well, I could. (laughs) (laughs) But it still took months to go to my first open mic. 
Good. I think it should. Yeah. Hey, when people are like, I'm trying it tomorrow. And I'm like, you need a little more time to find your voice, figure out who you are, write a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I barely had a joke written. I was just kind of like riffing. You know, you, you're funny in your friend group, right? And so yeah. you're like, I'm a comedian, right? But I wasn't. It's much harder to be funny with a group of strangers. Queer Mountain is such a good place to start because it's a group of queer strangers who are like just loving and ready for anything. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, they're rooting for because people are like, oh, I've never done this. I'm so nervous. And I'm like, this crowd is rooting for you. They're the warmest crowd you're ever going to find. Because sometimes when you do stand up at a bar, there's there could be someone with their arms folded and they're just like, make me laugh. Like, that's not the Queer Mountain experience. Queer Mountain's people just like, thank you for having this space where we can express our voices and whatever you say even if because we've had some people say some things where you're like uh, i don't mm-hmm. know and everyone's been really cool about it because they're like well that's their opinion and that's how they're expressing themselves yeah there's a lot of talk about safe spaces right and i feel like that's a safe space doing its work like you can mess up or learn something new and you're not gonna get ostracized or you know made fun of because you misgendered someone yeah. as long as you're not full of hate yeah. Uh, which, like, I feel like most people aren't. They're learning. A lot of queer people are implicitly still trans- transphobic, but, like, the more queer mountain we have, hopefully the less that is a thing. Yeah, and we've had, I mean, what I do is... Uh- I try to because I really want it to be a safe space and I want to also participate in the openness of that space that like if people come to me and they're like, hey, like we've had some older folks say, I don't like the term queer. Mm. I don't feel comfortable with it because this when 50 years ago, that was a term that was used in a negative way. But I'll talk about it. And, you know, I'll bring someone on stage who that was their experience to tell their story. Like we try to incorporate that in and not as a like, well, we're going to have it called Queer Mountain and fuck you. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to say like, hey, this is why we do this. But we also understand why you feel that way about that word. So let's talk about it instead of just being like, no, it's my show. And this is how I run it. You know, I would never do that. We've also we haven't had like we don't have controversy, controversy, but we've also had some folks who identify as pansexual or bi or where they have heteronormative relationships and some people don't want it kind of don't want to hear about it at a queer show Mm. but that's still part of their they're still a queer person and they're still having their experiences whatever they are and i'm not going to tell them like you can't talk about your ex-boyfriend you can only talk about your ex-girlfriend right yeah exactly exactly that's not That's not moving forward, and that's not including people who... One of my best friends who I'm here visiting with identifies as bisexual and mostly dates men, cis men, as a cis woman. That doesn't make her any less gay or queer or bi, whatever she wants to identify as. At the same time, like, talking freely, this is something that I've, like, been realizing. I do have some sort of bias because there is a different, like, experience as a visibly queer person than like a not visibly queer person or like wherever you lie on the spectrum if you're on one pole or the other like it's different I'm trying to like not have a negative like this implicit negative bias that I've realized I do kind of have that I like joke about like I often date more bi or like not super I'm like what is the word for being like more straight you know, they they you date just more use men. Like a Kinsey scale kind of yeah. You know, Kinsey scale six versus a ten or exactly yeah. And I'll like jab jokingly, but I'm like, where's that coming from? Really? Like I'm at this point where I'm like, wait, 
let's not do that. I 100% understand what you're saying. And I, I definitely do that where I'm like, I guess I, I think it's just because not that like I hate all men, but I'm just like all women are better than all men. Like, yeah, that's, that's my implicit bias. And that definitely comes out in conversations. But I think, you know, with Queer Mountain, you can talk about it. like I talk about it on stage. I'll be like, please talk about this. I have a friend who identifies as bisexual cis uh, woman married a cis man and struggles with that still as because she you know he's totally cool and you know he's like this is your identity like i'm not gonna be like now you're with me and this is what it is but a lot of people do that to her a lot of people try to put her in this box that she is actively fighting to not be in i mean she fell in love with a a cis man that's what she that's what happened in her life and she's okay with that but that doesn't mean that she's not sucks but (laughs) (laughs) terrible and all women are better than he's a he's a great guy but um, yeah no doubt but you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's, do, it's yeah. a tough thing. And it's something that every day people make assumptions about her based on that. And she hates it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't envy that. I think I'm trying to see that more like it's it's hard. It, it's hard in a different way. I know my friend can have this like queer imposter syndrome thing. Like, am I really gay? I haven't dated a woman in years. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't struggle with that as someone that's, yeah, more on one side of the scale than the other it's just worth being aware of as as someone that's visibly queer i think or gay or whatever yeah do you remember your first stand-up set yeah my first few mics i was getting high before because i was like if i bomb like it's my excuse and i'd like use that i was like oh i got too high it was lame but yeah yeah so i like ate a brownie and i wasn't too high but I used that like in my first, you know, 30 seconds, might get a chuckle. And it was at, it was actually at, I did improv also last year. So I okay. did the storytelling thing. I did improv. And this theater that I went to to do a couple classes of improv also hosts a mic. So I was like a little bit comfortable on the stage. So that's where I did my first mic. And yeah, it was okay. I, I talked about, I did start a joke that is currently one of, my favorite bits at that first mic about how frequently all my diet being like my sexuality in terms of like meat and men (laughs) (laughs) it's like but sometimes I mean it felt really good and a bunch of my friends came out it was nice but yeah I was not writing really I didn't understand the art and what it takes to bring something that you're like actually proud of to stage and how long ago was that? That was August last year. Okay. So yeah. You're gonna celebrate your one year soon. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. And what do you like? Do you want to pursue stand up? Is this something that you just do because it's fun and it's in the now, or is it something you want to do forever, or is writing or improv or storytelling or um, are any of those things that you are trying to pursue career wise or? So like yes, uh, shorthand answer, long answer. Definitely to be determined. I love it. It's it's the first like uh, way form of expression that I find myself really excited to to come back to and like figure out how to tell a story or think of something in a way that I can I can tell in three or four minutes. Or it's cool because like especially with how things are with everybody's attention spans like just becoming shorter and shorter. I think like stand up is here to stay. You can express really important points if you want. Like, I'm not there. I'm not really... I've had mics where I just bomb. I'm trying to talk about how dumb religion is. I think you need to be a pretty good comic to, like, 
concisely bring something controversial and like prove your point there's been a few things i've been trying to bring that i want to talk about some things that i didn't think were controversial that i want to talk about that became like i wanted to tell a joke about how so my first girlfriend for our very first valentine's day i was living in new york i flew down here to spend to new orleans to spend time with her and i didn't know new orleans so i was like wherever you want to go and she said applebee's and i was like okay cool so we went to Applebee's on a fucking Valentine's Day. Romantic. Yeah, it was a lot of families. It was terrible. You know, and then when we went to pay, I had a gift certificate. Nice. And I went to use it. And she got mad at me. But I'm like, it's the fucking Applebee's. Because like, it's got to be your blood, sweat, and tears paying for that, yeah. that meal. So I'm like, but and she's like, you can't use a coupon. And I was like, this is not a coupon. I didn't get a discount. Like, yeah. this is a gift certificate. They're different things. And so I was going to write a joke kind of about that story. But like, I don't have punchlines. That was just the gist of it. But just like how it hurts me to like not know the difference between a coupon and a gift certificate. Um, <laughs> which is a very important distinction. A coupon is like buy one, get one free. We didn't buy one, get one free. I just had a gift certificate right so i didn't you know yeah you um, didn't get two boneless apps for the price of one no absolutely not and i didn't get a mudslide or what what do you get there i'm like i'm like (laughs) i I went to applebee's a lot in high school but yeah yeah there is a very important distinction so i was gonna write a bit about that and then my girlfriend was like my current girlfriend was like if you ever use a fucking gift certificate on valentine's day (laughs) and i was like oh okay it's controversial okay i thought i thought it was like universally agreed upon and it is not so i'm gonna drop that I'm still going to explore the, the topic, but now I have, like, another perspective to keep in mind. It's, like, not romantic. It's not sexy. Yeah, but who cares if I put a... Because my thing, it's, like, a card. It's a gift card. Not yeah. A certi- it's not, like, a, a fucking certificate. It's hard plastic, baby. It, yeah, so it's, like, whether I put, like, my visa and this gift card... Like, it doesn't matter. I'm still putting a card in here. Yeah. So I... Just hide it. Yeah, I know. What, I should have What been. baby don't know, don't hurt <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, also my current girlfriend and I would never go to Applebee's on a Valentine's Day. And I will never do that again. But um, it was just interesting to like that where I was like, oh, this is a thing I could talk about that's light because I'm trying to find like lighter topics. And I was like, oh, this actually isn't. Yeah. Um, But the other topic that's not light is I've for a while because I don't want children. Like that's a thing I don't want. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the reasons that people have kids and the reasons that people choose not to Mm -hmm. in like a funny way. But I feel like it insults people either way you do it. Uh, yeah. It's those, like, little things. I even thought, like, making fun of religion was going to be fine. I was like, oh, it's Austin, <laughs> but it's still Texas. Yeah. And, yeah, a lot of people are religious in their own ways, and, like... Were you making fun of, like, the concept of religion in general, or were you specifically saying, I was half Catholic, half Jewish, like... So both. I was was trying to, like, back up my own experience to make fun of religion, just being, like, you know, my parents were just, like, hopping around. But I was comparing staying in a religion to staying in the broken-down house you were born in. It just, it wasn't that strong, and people were, like... Excuse me? Yeah, I tried it once at a mic. I think that takes time. Yeah, but also try it a few more times at mics. Yeah. I've found I've done like when I first write a joke and I go to the mic and I'm so excited and I tell it and it every single time the first time I tell a joke pretty much bombs mm-hmm. and it's because it's the first time you're saying it right and then if you hang with it there's been jokes that I would have literally just written off I would have been like forget this joke it didn't work once it was embarrassing I'm never doing it again but then if I've done it four or five more times and by the fifth time it's funny and now it's you know part of my normal joke telling but it's just you have to get past that first. I think the first time that the people aren't even listening to the content, they're just like, she seems 
like she's not herself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like figuring out how to how to find the right words, how to get the right angle. That's true. And that's definitely happened with my jokes that I like now. When does it go well the first time? But it's hard. It's hard for that ego to yeah. keep on keep on like or to be like cheesy about it, but like believe in yourself and just like be like, it doesn't matter. Well, that's what this, I mean, it's, that's all stand-up is. Like, you're getting up in front of strangers with a microphone and saying, listen to me. And not only listen to me, but most likely, listen to me about me. Oh, yeah. Self-important. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Do you get, like, an adrenaline rut? Is it, like, a, a high? Not because you had the brownie before, but, like, a, a natural high? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I don't get high. Because I'm, I'm not funnier when I'm high. Like, conversationally, maybe. But, like, no. There's such a rush to performing and specifically stand-up like I love performing by myself I also do still sometimes do storytelling things here and there because it's like a fun way to just like stretch out stories that I would never be able to stretch out on in a stand-up scenario but yeah yeah I enjoy it but I still for sure get nervous you know I but it's like fun nerves at this point. Yeah, no, I, I kind of love that. Like before the show, and then after the show. Well, my, my favorite is like when you know you did well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like, yes, I did this. But I'm excited to see you tonight. Yeah, and let's hang out um, and enjoy your time in New Orleans. And thank you. I know this was very short notice to get you on here, but oh no, thank you for um, having I'm me. I'm so on. happy uh, that we were able to sit down and talk and hang out. And thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. If you come through to Austin, I run a show called The Gay Agenda. It's when a queer is your showcase. Show? Oh yeah, sorry. Plug yourself. <laughs> Where can we find you? And when yeah. is this show? Because actually, um, another comic and I, Xander Billick who did an episode of this podcast as well. We're trying to come to the July uh, Queer Mountain out there. Oh, awesome. Um, so that's the last Wednesday. Um, if you go to Austin, Greens from Queer Mountain is the last Wednesday of every month um, at Cheer Up Charlie's, and it's amazing. So definitely, even if you're not from there, plan your trip around that. And also around yeah. the gay agenda. Tell yeah. me, tell me more. What is this show? So it's the third Thursday of every month, but we're actually skipping July. Aww. I know. Um, but our next, so our next one is June twentieth. It's all queer stand ups, and we sometimes integrate like we have an improv troupe on this next one. And Ralphie is actually gonna be Ralphie Hardesty. Um, he is the host and co-founder of the greetings from queer mountain austin yeah and he's amazing so he's going to be on our june 20th uh lineup and we're skipping july because we're getting ready ready for austin is weird and does pride in august so we're gonna have a really big august pride edition when in august y'all do it tbd okay um we're still figuring that out and like solidifying things with the venue but it's it's gonna be exciting yeah yeah so and the venue the venue changes so this this next one's gonna be at this coffee shop flat track coffee yeah yeah so that's that's where you can you usually catch me doing all right what is your social media how do we see your thoughts on twitter true <laughs> yes you Insta, can whatever the kids are doing these days yeah i'm i'm on instagram i'm on the instagram at emmet e-m-m-e-t claire an e on the end and i'm also on twitter emmet claire underscore and yeah facebook Friend me, follow me. Yeah. Check Emmett out. And thank you so much for doing our podcast. And we'll hang out tonight. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. It's like I eat meat sometimes.
but not all the time. I eat meat about as frequently as I have sexual encounters with men. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like most of the time, I know what's good for me. I know to keep it plant-based, keep things regular, stay in my lane, all right? And it works, it works. But every once in a while, my iron levels get a little low, and I'm feeling some type of way, some type of way, and I see a plump cut of sirloin, and I have visions, y'all. I have visions of just taking that meat home, oiling it up, massaging it down, maybe tying it up with a, some rosemary. I don't know. I don't know how festive we're getting. I love this, because like all the straight dudes are not, are not okay right now. It's gonna be okay. I didn't bring, I didn't bring any twine, any rosemary tonight. Because uh, like when it actually comes to me taking that meat home, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't have a steak knife, let alone a steak pan. It's like, what are you doing, Em? And like, really, I just want to put my fingers inside of it. And not all meat wants that. Right? Chicken, go for it. Steak, what are you doing, Em? What are you doing? So this is me coming out as, I'll stick my fingers inside whatever. Um, Speaking of sexuality, let's get, let's get a gauge on the room. Uh, where, where are my straights at tonight? All right, like mediocre, loud and proud. Yeah, nobody's proud. Um, I, I know, it's pretty arbitrary, like asking a group of people to announce their sexuality, right? Like, what? Um, yeah, yeah, I wanna, I wanna explain one thing to you guys, all right? And like queers you can listen to, but I think you'll understand this better. Um, I miss being gay before the Obama years. Like it was fucking nuts to be a Bush era gay. It was nuts. It's not, like people didn't have love is love signs in their yards. Like, straight people weren't calling their significant others partners. That wasn't happening. Like, there were people still genuinely terrified of the gay agenda and, like, running platforms on it for <laughs> marriage sanctity. Like, shit was different. But it was thrilling. <laughs> it was fun. Like... It's that concept of like something feeling a little bit better because you know you shouldn't be doing it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Like, I'll never forget like sneaking around the mall with my secret girlfriend, finger banging each other in the Delia dressing room. Like, have I had better sex since then? Yes, but I'll never forget that shit. I'll never forget that shit. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, 
You know that you're not supposed to put Q-tips in your ear canal? Some of us know, you're not. But we do, because we're bad. It's kind of like when you take a nice, clean Q-tip, all right? You look at it, and you're like, should we do this? And the box is like, please do not do this. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. And you take it, you put it in, you swirl it around. Maybe you waited a couple weeks, so you swirl it around again for good luck. And you take it out, and it's just a deep, burnt orange. And you're just like, oh, hook em, baby. Oh my God. Hook em. That's, that's, that's kind of the thrill that I, I am missing as a gay in 2019, personally. It was different. It was great. Um, so that's all I got for you guys. Thanks, guys. I've been Emmett Claire Hunker. Thank you to our guest, Emmett Claire, for sharing her world with you. Special thanks to Jess O'Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the show. Thanks to all our listeners and supporters out there. Show us some love. Give us some reviews on iTunes. Interact with us on social media. We want to hear from y'all. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain, the live queer storytelling show, in New Orleans, Austin, Oakland, New York City, and now Baton Rouge. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.